We came out of a series recently called Just Walk Across the Room. In one of those weeks, we talked about grander vision living. And that grander vision living is doing exactly what we just saw there on the screen. One life impacting another life, impacting another life. And you never know on this side of heaven who you will have impacted. Isn't that cool? I mean, some of the most unknown initiatives you take to be able to reach out and encourage others to consider God in their life can be radically transform those individuals. And those individuals can transform other people. That was God's plan when he sent Jesus. He didn't send some big video and some big high production company. He sent his spirit to embody you and I to influence others. And why do we show that uh, Strangers video this morning a little bit? Well, I tell you what, this is a great season to do just exactly that. Reach out and encourage others to consider what God can do in their life. We are four weeks away, believe it or not. Four weeks away from what? Easter. Do you know that? I mean, you got the daylight savings time. Thanks, by the way, for being here this morning. We'll catch the rest of them in an hour when they come in. But... Um, We have Easter coming up and opportunities for us just to knock it down as a church family to be able to reach out to other people. In fact, maybe you're here this morning because somebody reached out to you and you're new. Thanks for coming. Thanks for checking us out. And uh, we're just here to be able to encourage you on your spiritual journey wherever you may be at. But in four weeks with Easter, we're trying to think in terms of how we're going to sort of roll out Easter and sort of give some fresh launch to some things. We're actually starting a series on Easter Sunday morning that's going to walk us through the first ten chapters of the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles. And what were the Acts of the Apostles doing? Doing just what you saw on that video screen. One life impacting another. And we are going to start this series in part because we're aligning with, and some of you may know this, that on NBC, uh, the uh, Acts Life AD, we're calling the series, but AD is going to start on Sunday night of Easter. And if you watch the uh, Bible series, uh, I think it was a year or so ago, I forget now, on the History Channel, they've now brought the continuation of it uh, to NBC, and they're going to have every Sunday night for an hour, we're going to climb into a depiction of the book of Acts. And so we're going to align with that. We're starting this series. But in advance of that, we want to encourage you, and I have a couple baskets. We're just going to make sure, I just want to make sure everybody has the little business cards, invites. You should be carrying those with you. Invite people to church. Invite them to consider coming at Easter, right? Easter is a common time when people do that. So yeah, just just pass them down and pass them through. Just make sure you have one or two. And um, we are going to in advance of that, do some um, prayer initiatives in our neighborhood for the two Saturdays, of so Saturday the 21st and the 28th. And I think it's at 10 o'clock that you, uh, we're thinking about doing it. Now you can take all those cards. They're yours. If you drop the cards, every one you've got to take and hand out this week. All right? You've got your work cut out for you in California. So uh, we... Uh, uh, at 10 o'clock are going to take some initiatives in particular in these neighborhoods around here, which we just really feel is a church we've not gotten into since the church moved here a couple, three years ago. And so we're going to just offer prayer for people. We're not going door to door to share our faith, but we're going to walk the neighborhoods. We're going to pray for the neighborhoods, take some initiatives, maybe knock on some doors, see if people, uh, if there's any way that we can pray for them. So the 21st and the 28th, 10 o'clock, consider doing some bold step of not just walking across the room, but walking out of your comfort zones into the zone of the unknown that we talked about and see what God may do in our neighborhoods, all right? And you can do it in your neighborhood as well. 
And then in the evenings on both the 21st and the 28th, Shay, who's helping lead worship up here this morning, is just, we're going to, I don't know, circle up back by the cross, make a bigger circle. We're just going to have, uh, maybe up here, I don't know what we're going to do, but we're just going to have a um, relaxed open house worship time and prayer time from 7 to 8.30 on those evenings. Maybe some of the people we touch base with on Saturday morning might show up for prayer on Saturday night. We don't know. Maybe you can make it, maybe you can make it for part of that hour and a half, uh, maybe one week or the other. So that's not on your post, but the 21st and the 28th, 10 o'clock, prayer time in the neighborhoods, back here, 7 o'clock that night if you can make it for prayer and worship. Got it? Got it? Good? Good. Got all that? That's great. If you are new this morning, we want to encourage you on the backs of uh, the seat backs. Um, there's a slot you can pull out a card like this called a connection card, and we'd love to be able to just stay in touch with you and encourage you in whatever way this morning. We receive these cards as well as the Lord's offerings, tithes and offerings at the end of the service with the last song. And if you have any uh, prayer requests uh, for us to be able to send out to our prayer team or to be able to just gather around as a church, you can list those there as well. And as with every Sunday morning, you're able to gather back in this corner if you'd like to pray with someone even this morning um, before you leave. Some other announcements that are listed on your post. Men, Friday, we're heading out of here, 35 of us going to Pine Valley for men's retreat, so that's all good. Uh, so uh, be excited about that. I had one word to you from G.J., who's not able to be here today. G.J. says, I guess this is, uh, I don't know, some history with men's retreat, because this was my first one. It's pie night. So, guys, you're supposed to bring a pie. Just bring pies when we haul ourselves up to the hill, and uh, we'll have a big pie night. Sounds, sounds, sounds good with everything. Um, Sean, uh, Sean Kennedy is going to be our speaker, and actually uh, the students that are with us today are going to be a part of that um, as the, they move to their, uh, Sean's church later this week. But I would like to invite up to you somebody that's a familiar face to many of you if you've been around here for a while, and that is the guy that started this church. Dave Reynolds is here. Dave, would you come up? And uh, welcome Dave back. Hi guys, how are you? I think we're good. Dave, it's good to see you, man. Good to see you, buddy. How are you? Tell us what's happening here today and a little bit of update in your own life, if you would. Oh, thanks. All right, I will. Hey guys, how are you? You look good. That's good. Uh, hey, thanks for letting me come here today. Uh, I, I guess I'll start by saying hi to the NIAC folks who are here. Welcome, guys. Woo! Yeah, glad you guys are here. I want to say thanks to you guys for coming. You've got like an hour of sleep, right? Maybe on the generous side. Okay, three hours of sleep. All right. With the time change. And I want to say thanks to Carrie and you guys at the Awakening Church for hosting these guys. That means a lot. And I'm grateful to you guys for doing that. So thank you. <laughs> And this kind of all ties in with the update on what's going on with, with uh, Elaine and me, who sends her greetings and her love to you guys, by the way. Um, you know, we transitioned out of here about a year and a half ago to go on to what God was calling us to, which was a, a church planting ministry both in the western region. And, and then now it turns out that, that it's a national thing as well. I just came on as the national church planting leader here in July for the Alliance, which is kind of fun. So I'm figuring that out. It means I'm on airplanes quite a bit, um, but it's, it's good. Just real short, what we're trying to do is bring together the strengths of the Alliance and of our local churches and where all of us can intersect. We really want to be an alliance for the purposes of church planting. 
So I got three broad goals, and one of them is to connect with our Alliance schools, and that's you guys. And you guys are leading the way on this, by the way, and I want to thank you for that. Um, another thing we're trying to do is to, uh, you know, Jesus told us to go make disciples, and we do that through planting new churches, and it's not an option. It's a necessity. Every church was once a church plant, and every church plant has the goal of becoming an established, healthy church. It's two sides of the same coin. You can't get away from it. So if we're going to multiply, our goal is to get our churches on board. We have 2,000 churches in the Alliance. I'm shooting for 100 to start with and then 200, and we're going to keep going. I'm calling them greenhouse churches because a greenhouse raises up plants and puts them out in the field. So to any degree that a local church can take a person and take the seed in their life and develop that, not to just necessarily bring them on staff, that can be good, but more broadly to give them away to the work God is calling them to, that's what we're trying to do. You know, the story I tell is what if, what if God, <clears throat> or what if the team at Antioch said to, uh, said about Paul, hey, we got this great guy. Let's just put him on staff here and have a nice church at Antioch. Well, that would have kind of sucked for the rest of the world. So instead, they sent him out, and look what happened. So anyway, greenhouse churches are our other thing. And then finally, we're trying to do a system of assessment, coaching, and training support. So I've been meeting with a lot of district superintendents, and, try, and that's been going well. God's given us favor. We now have the country into four different regions, of which I lead the West Coast, and also to kind of coordinate the other guys, where all the districts are working together in the regions for church planting. So <clears throat> that's what we're doing. Where it, where it intersects with you guys at NIAC, I'll just say this, is uh, uh, where's Orlando? There he is. I'm just going to – there you are, brother. Uh, let me introduce to you. I'm going to use your full title just because it's so cool. Dr. Orlando Rivera, stand up, buddy, would you? <clears throat> to us, he's Orlando, but, you know, he is a professor in Nyack College. He is also a pastor. He also runs an internship. He also planted the church and several more where he is. So the guy does it all, but he really led the way in bringing students and in in getting them out there to, to connect with local churches and do church planning training. So what you guys are doing with NIAC is what we're trying to do with all of our Alliance schools, keep doing these boot camps on a regular basis. And so you guys are leading the charge, and Orlando's really the visionary behind it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyway, I, I don't know. That's, that's it. That's probably long enough. But that's what we're doing, and we're trying to figure it out. God bless you. We'll see you. Oh, great. All right. Why don't we just all stand together and take a few moments and greet one another, and especially these uh, students from New York. Well, last week we began a series called Discovering God's Will. I guess it's to some degree appropriate. We have a bunch of college students with us today because when I was college and career pastor in a large church, we spoke on discovering God's will an awful lot because you're trying to figure it out. What's God doing with my life? Where are we going? But guess what? It's not just when you are out of high school, college, and after college. It's all through our life trying to discern what is God's will for our lives. Now, the word will is a very interesting word. It has to do with that volitional part of us that makes determination decisions every day. Any of you as a parent or maybe as a sibling or whatever, sit in a sporting event and get really, really upset with the coach. Does that ever happen with you? Especially if they're not, like, playing your kid. And you know your kid is as good as those other kids that are out on the basketball court or out on the field, right? But there's nothing you can really do about it as a parent. 
Now, I've embarrassed myself plenty of times trying to make something happen with that coach. But the coach is making the decisions and the call. The coach has the will to do what he's deciding to do in the course of the action. Now, some of you Seattle fans are still frustrated about the will of the coach in that last (laughs) part of the Super Bowl. There's nothing you could do. But if you had to do over again, you would say what? Run the ball. Don't pass the ball, right? There's a volitional part that a coach carries in life. And many times, to a large extent, and we'll see it played over and again with the NCAA that starts to kick off and heading towards the Final Four in my hometown of Indianapolis, is that the coach will many times determine the outcome of the game. Yeah, it comes down to the players and how well they play and the talent understood. But that coach is making decisions. You're sitting up in the stands. That's very difficult for you, maybe. But God runs this world. It is God's world. And we're not just little peon people that get to participate in and get be moved around as pawns. We get to participate with the God of the universe and all that he's doing in the world. So when it comes to discovering God's will, we have to understand that it is God who has the will, and he is making things happen. Now, this is a verse that I'll lead us off with this morning. It's a very common verse. It's out of Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. You guys know this verse. Let's uh, say this together. Ready? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. That's our hope. That's our hope. Last week we said that when you read Scripture, when you open this book and you try to discern God's will through the Scriptures, more often than not, the word will is referring to sovereign will. We looked at two kinds of wills, and um, these two come uh, throughout Scripture. Um, A lot of study and interaction on this whole will and what different kinds of wills. I mean, I was falling into some subject matter this week and review going, you know, some people say there's God's perfect will and then there's his permissive will and there's his preferential will and there's his pervasive will. And I'm like, okay, hello. And how do you, how do you organize all this? And maybe what they're thinking is in scripture. Well, I want to put it in back in these two categories. There is God's sovereign will and God's directive will, or as we outlined it last week, God's will of ultimate purpose. He's the coach. He's making things happen. Then there is God's will of personal command to us. God's directive will. More often than not, when we're asking the question, well, what's God's will for my life? What God's... We're not asking for number one. We're trying to find this personal decision making. What is God's command is leading in my life? I need some direction, man. I need some directives here, right? So we talked last week about God's sovereign will, and I'm not going to camp there again other than to say that that's pretty critical for us to not only understand, but live underneath and be inspired by every day and every week of our life because he is working out an incredible plan through all the universe and all the ages. I was was down at the Rod Show at Temecula this weekend. Pretty cool deal we got here. Uh, Bill Malik from our congregation, the district superintendent, he's into into old cars, man. He had a couple of them down there. 900 cars, Bill said, was in the the 
Temecula Rod Show uh, this weekend. And so we were down there walking around a little bit, and I stumbled across. I didn't really stumble across. They were like right there at uh, Front Street and, I don't know, Second or whatever. Big placards that said, basically, repent, get your ticket out of hell. I'm like, really? I know that their intent was maybe good, but we see this at places. I'm like, that's not God's huge sovereign will to decide to send some people to heaven and send other people to hell. Yes, there is the reality of people. All of us will be able to live in the presence of God someday. Or if we're not choosing God in this life, then we're living outside of his presence eternally. That truth is valid. But what God's will is, what he's doing is an incredibly beautiful thing of incorporating people from every language, tribe, and nation into the kingdom of God. And these days will be ushered into eternity. And I'm like, can I change your placard here? There is better news to be able to be out there cheering people with than come here and I'll give you the ticket out of hell. Right? I don't know. I, I'm sorry. That was a little tangent cul-de-sac there. It just grated on me a little bit. But you got to get into understanding what God's sovereign will is and being able to see the beauty of it. And that our ultimate wills are being submissive to whatever he's doing. And he is the coach, and he will win the game. He will win the tourney. He will win the world title because he is the God of the universe. All right? But God's directive will is where I want to move to today. And we'll be camped here for a little bit. God's directive will. Actually, I'm coming back from men's retreat, so it'll be all women next week, but that's fine. Uh, we're going to be talking about God's directive will. Now, some of you guys, I know you can't go, but we're going to uh, continue this on. So I'm going to start to give a little bit of a big overview with God's directive will. But I first want to say with God's directive will, there are two ways I want to put a subtitle, God's directive will. This has to do with you and I making personal choices in our life, hearing the commands of God and living them out on a day-by-day basis. And the two directives I've categorized this way. There are moral directives... All right, that are decided by God. And those moral directives we see clearly laid out for us in Scripture. How many times we scratch our head, pull our hair out, sweat before God. Oh, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? His foremost interest in his personal directives and commands of your life is for you to do what Scripture teaches, which you could probably sum it up in the passage that says, Be ye holy as I am holy. He's wanting to make you like Christ. And so whatever is going on in your life, the moral directive is to live out that life. And we need to be taking the time as individuals to hear the word speak into our life. It has to speak into our life. And uh, as an example, there's a lot of passages we go to. Let me have us go to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 is a moral directive. Listen to these words. They're pretty simple and straightforward from the Apostle Paul. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and offered himself as a living sacrifice. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, any kind of impurity or of greed. Such things are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, Foolish talk or coarse joking. These are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. 
For this you can be sure, that no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ or of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not partner with them. You were once children of darkness, but now you are children of light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. The fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is the light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper! Rise from the dead, and let Christ shine on you. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled, keep being filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing, 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 and make music in your heart, always giving glory to God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. And submit to one another and a reverence for the Lord. All right, we'll just stop right there. That's a pretty heavy diet, don't you think? And if you want to know God's will in your life, start with God's moral directive will. And allow Scripture to speak to you. And don't get all guilt-ridden and overwhelmed, but use it as a guidebook. You know, he's going to guide our paths. And we need, as followers of Christ, to understand God's will of Scripture as it relates to the moral character development of who he's wanting to make us in Christ. All right? So I could end the talk right there. Discovering God's will. There you go. Start with Ephesians 5. Go to the next chapter. Go to the next epistle. It's outlined. And it's not to put some rule of law over our head. The Apostle Paul, as any godly person throughout history knows, that when we are living underneath the authoritative moral directives of God, we find freedom and joy. It may not be easy with the challenges around us, but choose the directives of Scripture to align your lives with. I don't know how many times I've been in a situation, and that verse comes back to me. It's one of the reasons I memorize Scripture. It's like, okay, not that I've ever really had a big problem with it, but I think about it and I go, okay, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. How many times I've been in a conversation, I've thought to myself, I am giving foolish talk right now. You ever done that? It comes back to what? God's saying, Carrie, take initiative. Seize this moment. 
Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Always giving thanks in your heart to God. Let the Word of God be hidden in your heart so that you can have the moral directive or read it. Have a steady diet in it. So, God's directive will, moral directives, not going to park there either. We're going to park on the next one. The second directive is life directives because this is where we're at, right? We want to know, well, what's God's plan for my life? We threw up this uh, chart that we found hidden and, uh, and uh, last week, and usually it's on these kinds of uh, issues that we find the desire to know God's will. Initial friendships, where are we going to get our education at? Oh, my goodness, who am I going to start building more significant relationships? What's going to happen to me and my job? Who am I going to marry? Now i got a marry, i got a job, I, I need a house. Do I buy? Do I rent? What am I going to do, God? Oh, the kids are coming along. What does this mean as we realign life? Oh, there's some unexpected things, a midlife crisis, retirement's coming. All right? We live in a very, no, I'm sorry, you're going to have to forgive me here. We really do live, because I'm living in the same world you're living in. We live in a very narcissistic world. So when the subject of God's will comes up, we're usually not thinking about God's sovereign will. We're not even thinking about God's moral directives in our life. We're thinking about what? Me, myself, and I. Man, i got plans. i got things I want to do. Me, my, what do I do, God? What do I do for my happiness, man? For me to, to have, a, I don't know, some excitement in life. For, for me to marry that beautiful person. I mean, it's me. It's me. And you're going like, okay, God. You think God? Here's God, right? He's going, when are they going to get a clue? It's not about you. All right? But that's where our mind goes. Now, is God uninterested in this stuff? No, he's not uninterested in this stuff. He wants to help us with this. So we're going to talk about life directives, give a little bit of an overview today, drill down in the next couple of weeks a little bit more. But when I think about the whole concept of life directives, I sometimes approach it like this guy in this little picture. You feel like you're looking at a maze or some type of matrix, and you're going to have to try to figure this out. And you're all there standing alone. Welcome to life. Here's the entry point. What do we do? Where do we go? How do we figure it out? And to be honest, that's a very strong feeling that maybe even some of you are feeling this morning with some of the questions you're trying to decide in your life what to do. I want to paint for you a picture that happened in my mind growing up concerning trying to understand God's will for me. I was blessed to grow up in a Christian home and found my way in church, a lot of youth ministry, that kind of thing. And the whole subject matter of pleasing God, doing God's will was always laid out there. So I grew with the desire to to want to at least understand maybe what God's will might be for my life. And I remember actually at the age of 15, something was painted for me as a scenario that I grabbed a hold of, but it ended up being something that was very unhealthy for me as I've moved through life. And this is what I picked up. I picked up an arrow called God's perfect will. And I picked up the concept that God's will is a linear path. And 
He has points along this path, sort of like that path we just saw, whether it's, you know, relationships, education, job, right? And I have to hit it on the mark each step of the way. And this linear idea of God's perfect will, um, in one sense, helped me because it made me know that God cared. He, He had a plan for my life, and that's all important. But it started to paralyze me as I began to live my life. Um, I'll put some emojis up here to help us a little bit. How about that? All right. So God's perfect will, linear line, A++. That's what I wanted. In fact, one of the great places I found my life is, is I got to a place that I, I want God's will. I, I know it's a, a A++ kind of plan. Anything I'm coming up with is, you know, probably an A or an A minus, or if reality is probably a C plus or a D. It just stinks, you know. I, God's perfect will, linear. All right. Then, if you messed up, you fell off of that line of God's perfect will. And you are now going to be operating in God's permissive will. Uh Uh-oh. I messed up. I'm no longer on plan A. Plus, plus. I'm not even on plan A anymore. I'm now on plan B. Okay. I live on plan B because I made some bad decisions. All right. You've been there? You've done that? Have you felt that way? And the problem is, it's not just one bad decision. You make one bad decision, you turn right around, and you made another bad decision. Now you're down on God's permissive will, plan C. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Now I'm really worried. Right? You try to work your way through, trying to hope you're pleasing God, doing his will, and all of a sudden, man, you hit midlife, and you really make some dumb mistakes then. And now you're down on God's permissive will, plan D. And you are sick. You don't even want to think about where you're at. You can't get back up to plan A. You can't get back up to God's perfect will. Why? Because you messed up. I started to think this. It started to paralyze me. It started to cause me to even withdraw from God. Maybe God's will is not a linear line, though. Maybe God's will's more like this. Like a checkerboard. And you start the game out right on the checkerboard, but you've got some options. I can go here, I can go there. I can go here, I can go there, and if I go there, then I'm going to have to either go there or there, and then I can go there. Oh, and I could go back there. Uh, that's a kingman there, the guy that went backwards, and a, a, a king to a chess player there, or a checker player. But eventually, I know that I'm going to fulfill the will of God. It may come out in some different places. But God is gracious and good. And he is not going to punish me for the rest of my life because maybe in my stupidity, my younger years, my midlife crisis or whatever, I made some poor choices. I believe it's the number one tactic of Satan to get you to feel like you're out of God's will and you're a big loser. And he just rubs your face in it. He comes back and the mental tapes rubs your face in it. I got a call last week from a man who turned 50 years old. I'm aging myself here. This man used to be in my college and career group when I was back um, 
in Marion, Indiana. We had a great college and career group. We were running about 100, 200 people, and God was really changing and transforming a lot of young people's lives. I had the opportunity to be close to a couple of really vibrant Christian schools, Indiana Wesleyan uh, University and Taylor University. And uh, so I ran like seven different covenant groups of about, um, you know, uh, maybe, I'm sorry, it was five different covenant groups, about seven or eight guys in each group. And we meet on a weekly basis. What's God doing in your life? How are things with your soul? What's your trajectory? Some of those guys were uh, ministry, uh, vocational ministry-minded people. And uh, the call that I got was from one of the guys that was in that group, one of those groups. He had a trajectory. He was a very outgoing personality, very popular in many ways. He had a trajectory that was beautiful. In fact, we were in a prayer session once. It was really a fairly intense spiritual warfare prayer session. It was actually bringing some deliverance to this young man's life because of some things that he'd fallen into. And in in this deliverance session, even, there was a word that had come to us through this deliverance time where um, the adversary uh, literally affirmed and spoke uh, the concept that says, well, he was chosen in his mother's womb to be a minister of God, and if we leave him, he'll do damage to Satan's kingdom. Oh, whoa. Well, that's a pretty big deal. What we're doing here is a pretty big deal. God broke through in his life, and he found some freedom. He started off on a trajectory, married his college sweetheart. Hadn't heard from the man for a while. He actually called me a couple, three years ago. I knew he was struggling. He called me back. He says, only you know me. I just turned 50. I don't even know why I'm calling you. Just gone through my second marriage. Don't have a lot of self-worth in the job that I'm in. Moved down a state. He was in the south. And um, he was just trying to grab a hold of some hope. And I shared with him, I said, well, I may be one of the few people that you feel you can share things with, and it goes back 30 years. But I said, friend, you still have, if God so wills, 30 years ahead of you. Now, if I'm on God's linear plan for his life, he's he's running out of alphabets, man. He's, He's down past Z, okay? But if God's a God of grace and he works through the circumstances and even poor decisions of our life, then he still has a great hope to follow God's life directive will for the next 30 years. I don't know what view you have of God's will in your life, but I trust it's not one where the adversary comes and rubs your face in it and says, loser, you can't ever fulfill God's perfect will anymore. And friends, when we try to even reach out and encourage other people, like at Easter, when we go around and we pray for people, I'm very mindful that there's an awful lot of people, a vast majority of people, outside of a relationship with God today that are feeling that way. You know, I um, I took this picture this week. This is uh, the mountain. Right up Winchester. What mountain's that? San Jacinto Mountains, yeah. When it uh, had that California winter thing we had a little bit this week. New York people, we did have a California winter this week. Yeah. It's back being warm. You came the right week. Just want you to know that way. We still had an ocean site afterwards or whatever. We we're going to be thinking through that or whatever. Pool party later this week, right? They've been in, Orlando was just telling me before service that, there's been two really bad winters, man. He's been, been hanging there, right? And I was telling him, my son Zach, who's here, we visited uh, Nyack in January. It was freezing cold to do that campus tour. Yeah. 
and the Manhattan campus was even colder. So I feel for you. We're glad you're here in the warmth of Southern California. So you guys got a bunch of snow out there. I like the snow here. We have snow here. You just can see it from a distance, and you're good. So the snow at the top of the mountain up the road. And I got a question for you now. It's, you know, warming up, heading in the springtime. That snow is going to melt. <clears throat> Where's that snow going to go? Where is the snow going to go? You're right. Snow's going to melt, so the snow's going to start coming down. And it's got little paths that it might go. Now, as the snow starts to melt and the water starts coming down, it may end up getting dammed up here or there. You know, maybe it's because there was a, a mudslide, a rock slide, and it can't go that route anymore. Maybe know, some animal sort of built something. But what's going to happen? The water's going to build up, and then where it's going to go? It's going to jump into another stream, right, or some another way. Because what's going to happen when the snow melts at the top of the mountain? It's going to go down, and where's it going to end up at? It's going to end up down in the valley. It's going to end up in some type of river. Guaranteed you. Uh, at least the runoff. Other stuff will soak in. I understand that. God's will to me is like the snow at the top of a mountain. He is going to have his will in the world, in my life. He is going to work out his Christ likeness in me. He is going to take my life directives and orchestrate something. But where is it going to go? It's going to go into this one place, into the stream's of the river of his life and his purposes. And it doesn't matter how much I dam it up or build it up or what type of rock slides happen, I can know this, that the water's going to make its way down from the top of the mountain. So also with that matrix view and the checker kind of thing, right? God's going to make his will move across in our life. I tell you what, when I discovered that this could be possible in my life, I was like, whoo, man, I am just so elated. Not only is, is there the possibility of God to redeem poor, bad decisions, but God is in control of my life in such a manner that his will will be done if I have a heart to lay myself before him, as the Proverbs verse mentioned, right? This is one of my favorite quotes of God's will, and it's by Alliance pastor many years ago, A.W. Tozer. And Tozer says this. It's a great perspective on God's will. He says, except for those things that are specifically commanded or forbidden, all right, now what's he talking about there? God's moral directives in Scripture, like we read out of Ephesians 5. You know, there's very clear things. It is God's will that we be free to choose. What's God's will? He's given you the ability to choose. You pick. Really? I can pick? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, within certain parameters in his leading. You pick. All right, God's will. It's for you to choose. The shepherd leads the sheep, but he does not decide which tuft of grass the sheep shall nibble. Touching our life on earth, God is pleased when we are pleased. He wills that we be as free as birds to soar and sing our maker's praise without anxiety. God's choice for us may be any one of a score of possible choices. The Christian who is holy and joyously surrendered to Christ cannot make a wrong choice. Now, the last verse is key, right? holy and joyously surrender to Christ. And this picture, I've had this picture of sheep in my mind. And I, you know, grew up on a farm, but we didn't have animals necessarily. But I got this idea of sheep. In fact, I come here, there's sheep on these hills that will start grazing on this, this grass here right here pretty soon as, as they move it around to keep it all cut down. And I look at sheep, and it's like Jesus goes, okay, here is the field of my will. You go and you graze in this field. 
Now, that may be something vocationally, may be an area of interest, may be, a, 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 you know, something you're pressing out in on a, on a social level. I don't know. Here's my field. But you do not find Jesus going around as the shepherd, grabbing the back of the sheep, stuffing his face and say, you eat that tough of grass. You eat that tough of grass. Now, you come over here and you eat this tough of grass. I have this picture that that's what that whole linear will is. Here, 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 here. Rather than God being a shepherd that says, man, i got an incredible world. You're an incredible human being that I've created. And you have a desire to joyously surrender to me in all things. Here, graze. Graze in this field. I love that picture. And I love what he says. The shepherd leads the sheep. But he does not decide which tuft of grass the sheep shall nibble. God desires that we choose. Now, maybe that makes you paralyzed still because you can't make decisions in life. I don't know. But hopefully it frees you up to say, you know, I don't have to be 100% there in this decision. I feel God's leaning in this direction. In fact, I don't think we get 100% anywhere. I mentioned that last week in knowing some future because that's not what God desires for you to know is the future. He desires for you to follow him, for you to be transformed into his likeness, for you to help people along the way. All right? So I like that quote. I like that vision. I've moved away from the linear thinking. But in that linear thinking, in moving that away, you do need help. And I'm just going to give quickly the overview of this, and we're going to drive down into it in the coming weeks. I pull this from, um, or I said this is set up by a story I heard once that F.B. Meyer, who was a famous preacher from England, shared. He had been out to sea, and, and he was on a boat coming back in, and the sea was vast. And he happened to be talking to... Um, uh, the skipper of the boat. And he said, you know, he says, the sea is so vast. How do you decide when you're there? And how, how, how do you know when you can turn out and start heading towards shore? And the skipper said to him, he said, well, this is what I do. And this is back before the days of GPS kind of deal, okay? He says, there's three lighthouses. And if I get those three lighthouses lined up all in a row, then I know that I've reached the River Thames and I can go safely in to the London Harbor. Think in terms of that as it relates to the grid. God doesn't make you eat this tough of the grass, but there are decisions. Sometimes maybe there are fields that you need to go into. This is the field of vocation I go into or whatever. And so he's, he's giving you permission to make choices. But along the way, we're like, well, how do we really discern God's will? And sometimes he begins to prompt our heart. Discerning God's will, let me line up these three lighthouses. These three lighthouses, I'll mention the first, is the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And I find this to be true in my life when God is leading me in a directive way concerning a life decision. There's something, some stirring, sometimes I call it a uh, holy discontent. A holy discontent starts to stir in me. 
and that stirring is from the Holy Spirit. It says this in Philippians 2.12. So then, my brothers, just as you have always obeyed, not, as much, not only in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Paul's saying this, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you. Got that? It's God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so there's this stirring that begins to happen in our hearts. It's a prompting of the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 16:9 said, the mind, of man, the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord, the Lord does direct his steps. Doesn't mean he's stuffing his face and eats tough of grass again, but he, he's directing his, your paths and saying, you know, go into this field and go in this general direction. I'm going to lead you along this way. In Proverbs 20, 24, man's steps are ordained by the Lord. How then can man understand his way? So it's cognizant that God is doing a work. God's will will be working out in your life. He has a plan to get you from the top of the mountain down to the bottom. And so these promptings happen in our hearts. And so the first lighthouse that I want us to look at at some point is the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And then the second, light, the second lighthouse is this. It's biblical teaching and counsel. Not only does this Bible give us God's moral directive for our lives, like we referenced there in Ephesians 5. But as I read the Scripture, God can use the Scripture to speak into my life some of his directives. That's why this verse, that's maybe a common verse that you know, Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. And I always have this vision of a, of a flashlight. You know, a flashlight, you're like, what's out there? What's God's will for me way out there? You know, I want to see what God's will is. And it's like, no, here, just, just walk in this way. I walk in this light, and I walk in this light, and I walk in this light, you know. And this word helps you discern that. So another reason is biblical teaching. And I put counseling with that because God's will is sometimes directed through counsel, but counsel has to come from godly, trustworthy people. Sometimes when I'm interacting with people and they're trying to make decisions in their life, sometimes it's, well, who's speaking into your life? Well, nobody. Or sometimes I'll say, well, my friends are. And I just say, well, what are your friends telling you to do? They're telling, they're telling me to leave him. Oh, well, that's really right out of the word. Thank you very much. Right? No, there's a need for biblical counsel through Scripture and interactions with others. And that's the second lighthouse. So I'm starting to get this line up. I've got this prompting of the Spirit, some intuition, some, some leanings that I need to be doing this, God's words giving some testimony with this. And then the third lighthouse is this, providential circumstances and timing. We're not going to dig into that, of course. don't have the time for it this morning. But that, that thing's huge. And it's both. It, you've got to start with the word providential. It's like this is just happenstance. You know, or could it be God's orchestrating some circumstances in his time? Now, along this path of trying to discern God's directive will, for sure there is prayer. And prayer is found also to be uh, in his presence. And so I have this place that I am. I've had some holy discontent. God's promptings on my heart. I'm in the Word. I'm trying to align myself with them. I find some counsel around me and, and get, get some people speaking in my life and giving me some direction. And then I sort of weigh, sit back and I weigh some of the circumstantial timing issues of life. And then I immerse this all before the presence of the Lord in prayer. So it's ongoing, this directive. And ultimately, what am I trying to get my way to? I'm trying to get my way to this word. Peace. Peace. Oh, the peace of God. And then what follows on the hills of peace? Faith and action. Faith and action. Now you know. Now walk by faith, step into the decision, act on it, and see what God does.
We're going to dive deeper into that, but we're not going to go any further this morning. I want to close with a challenge or a question, I guess, that I gave to the men's group yesterday when we met. I'm mindful that all this talk about God's will is nice, but like the Tozer quote said, you have to be joyfully surrendered to wanting to follow God's will. For me, how many times? You've probably been there many times in your life. God, tell me, and then I'm going to choose if I want to do that or not. Right? But you submit to God's will. Don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is, Scripture says, right? You submit to God's will no matter what. Then it starts to become clear to you. But this is what I challenged the men with yesterday. And we had a nice little time of sharing. I put it this way. It's a guy way, I guess. When did you start to give a rip in your life about God's will? When did you start to give a rip about God's will in your life and following it? I'm mindful that even on a morning like this, maybe, could be even 50%, don't give a rip about God's will. Oh, you'd like to know and then make a choice if you want to follow or not if it lines up with your plans. But you've not come to that place where every knee shall bow in heaven on earth and every tongue confess, whatever it is, Lord, I'll do it. When did you start to give a rip about God's will in your life? A lot of times not at the point of salvation. You're just discovering afresh God's forgiveness and that he loves you and, and grace and moving forward. But then the searchlight of the Holy Spirit comes and he says, hey, you, 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 I have plans for you. They're not restrictive, linear kinds of plans, but I want you in my field. When did you start giving a rip about God's will in your life? Hopefully you can answer that question. I can. I can go back to when I was 15 years old. But you know what? It didn't stop at 15. I can give you incremental points throughout my life where I had to keep coming back to saying, Lord, I give a rip about your will. I don't want to be foolish. I don't want to get drunk on whatever I'm getting drunk on in my life. All right? It's not just whiskey that people get drunk on or drugs or promiscuity. A lot of times we get drunk on our own plans and our own success and our own agendas. Do not get drunk on wine, but be ye filled with the Spirit and walk in the way that he's guiding you. Let's pray. Lord, I ask this morning that you would challenge each and every one of us to not only give a rip about your will, but willingly to submit ourselves joyously underneath your smile and the radiant beauty of your will. Lord, I pray for any individual here this morning that is challenged, maybe an individual challenged in submitting themselves to you, even for a point of salvation. Just encourage them that walking across that line of faith is a beautiful thing, but it does require surrender. And Lord, for those of us maybe challenged here this morning with a particular decision, a life directive, I pray that you would move them to a place of peace. May they be able to align the promptings of your spirit with the biblical counsel of your word with what's happening around them circumstantially all through prayer and your presence. May they move themselves to a place of peace. And then, Lord, for some people here who know and have had the peace about what you want them to do, may you embolden them with the faith and equip them for action to seize that opportunity. Lord, we love you. We thank you.
It's a joy to be in your presence this morning, to worship you, to sing of your saving faith in our life, and to hear from your word speaking into our life. May we not be foolish, but may we understand what your will is. Lord, may we acknowledge you, and may you direct all of our paths, because we're submissive to your will. God's people said, Amen. Thanks. Yesters are going to come to receive the tithes and offerings as well as your connection cards. Let's sing together.